0: Hey, hello! Welcome back to Curiously Polar. My name is Chris Marquardt, and this is Henry. Hi, Henry. Hi, Chris. How are you today? Very good. No, long time no episode. Um, Indeed, but we're not going to make any excuses other than that everyone has been busy. Busy in these times. How could that be possible? But um, it's luxurious, isn't it? Uh, it's it's that's a nice problem to have. I think so. But apologies that we um, have let you hang for a couple of weeks Um, we're back with uh, an episode not necessarily about doom and gloom as we usually do here the arctic (laughs) news aren't that uh, pleasant all the time no we want to talk about photography today about auroras because it is aurora season
1: it is indeed tell tell us a bit about the auroras in general it's possibly the most um, amazing season of the year Usually, when we have summer trips, then people are asking, yeah, but what do you do in winter? It's like, you can't do anything. And I'm always a little bit offended by that because, for me, the winter is kind of like the heart of, um, of the polar regions when everything calms down, everything just settles a bit. And, you know, we, we just use the time um, when we have so much dark season to actually really look out for for northern lights and um once you've experienced your first northern light you really get drawn into its magic and for me this is like the 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 best season of the year
0: yeah the, the when you and i met that was a couple of years ago in lofoten uh in the arctic and it was on a ship and it was in february so it was right in uh the arctic winter and uh, we saw some of the most amazing auroras there. So,
1: that's true. Uh, Lofoten is one of uh, my favorite uh, regions to spot um, northern lights. Really mm-hmm. great, um, beautiful backdrop on pictures. Always when you yes. have this beautiful panorama of the landscape in the in the backdrop. But we have a number of destinations around the Arctic Circle, and um, Lofoten is one of them. Iceland is very popular. You have mm-hmm. uh, destinations in Greenland where you can travel, of course Arctic Canada, Alaska,
0: and um also russia and it's and it's uh, it's one of these phenomena that um doesn't show itself all the time, so every time I was in the Arctic uh, I was Glad to be there for just more than a few days because uh, sometimes you can't go for an entire week without really seeing anything serious. And there are tools that you can use. There's like observatories, magnetic observatories that, that will try to predict where the Earth's magnetic field goes. And if that goes low, then the aurora has a better chance to come into... the Or the solar wind has more chance to come into uh, contact with the upper... Um, what is it? Stratosphere? Ionosphere, I think it is. And... But the thing is, actually, that most tourists come to those destinations with
1: a um, clear objective of they want to see Northern Lights, and they expect the Northern Lights to happen just on time. <laughs> and one of the most popular questions is when does that actually happen? When does it start? And there is no particular science behind it. It's not really that you, you have the forecast that says it starts at uh, 2115 minutes and it ends at uh, uh, half past ten. It's yeah. it really... Um, something the the magnetosphere or the the um solar activity gives you a hint, but it doesn 't um relate to a precise forecast it 's yeah. even more fragile than the weather forecast actually so sometimes you have a very good forecast and you see nothing and sometimes yeah. you have a very little forecast but
0: have a beautiful explosion on the sky the The forecast can only be um about the how high the chances that you can see them and there's Indeed, uh, yeah. satellites out there that can give you in, information about the solar wind ahead of time so you kind of know that there's a bit of a higher chance but then again there's other factors that play into that that we do not really have any uh, advance information about so um, the
1: most important on the on most destinations is winter is kind of a very harsh season um nonetheless so it means you might have amazing auroras but you don't see
0: anything because it's simply (laughs) cloudy. It's cloudy, yeah. So so to to see the auroras, you have to have uh, several factors to play in your favor. Um, And I was lucky enough that that happened a few times I was up there. And so uh, what we want to do is look at some aurora photos. I want to give some insights. Me being a professional photographer, um, just on how to shoot them. What? Yes, I am. Can't you tell? Me? <laughs> so we we are we are. Um, I have I have tips and tricks ready for you, and a few stories about some of those pictures. So. What I will do is I will put ourselves, the two of us, into little boxes on the side. Um, So for everyone who's listening to that, just as an audio podcast, this is a visual episode. This is a visual episode. You better (laughs) go. It's very visual. You better go in the description and click that link or tap that link to watch this on YouTube. Because um, talking about photos is one thing, Um, and the tips will certainly work in just audio, but um, the visuals are very helpful here. So. and i i can step through a bunch of pictures I've, i think i prepared like 10 pictures but um <clears throat> so I want, I want to start with a couple of things here and uh, this is a picture from Lofoten and uh what you see is uh, a mountain range which are very frequent in Lofoten and uh, some it's, it's a kind of a faint aurora above them um And I remember distinctly how I almost froze off my feet. Not literally, but it was really cold, which it is in winter in Lafoten. And you end up with um, spending some time out. So you better have a nice warm coat and good boots and things. uh, Because there's a good chance you'll you'll stand next to your tripod for uh, several hours and that's like the key when you observe northern lights it's
1: not much of activity you have to be very patient you're standing still for quite a long time so you better pack yourself really warm insulate have possibly um even a thermo with tea or coffee or hot chocolate with you just be prepared and what you can see on that picture in particular is on the on the sea you have the sea as a foreground here in front of the mountains you have those tiny little frizzles on the uh, on the water which is just wind picking up so it was one of uh,
0: of the of the few (laughs) very frosty nights on that trip i remember So so and the aurora wasn't very strong. So what what we saw here is um the aurora coming and going and on an, on a scale of 1 to 10 that might have been a, a two or a three maybe. So it was very faint in the sky. So what I did here is I just took a very very long exposure. This is a minute or something around that. Just to Capture enough light so the eyes barely saw the aurora. This is really what the camera saw because it could expose so long, so that the camera is on a tripod, a sturdy tripod. Um, I made sure that it is dark, so that like stray light shining into your lens from like a light around the houses or a street light or something can, uh, can really become very pronounced and, and, and um uh a bit of a disturbance in the photo when you when you expose for that long and uh then yeah to make to increase the chances of this being a bit more a bit more interesting the photo cuz i couldn't really see with my eyes i deliberately included the foreground cuz uh, what happens when you when you expose long and you have moving water that water will turn into sort of a it will have a misty kind of surface because you average out all the time that you expose and um so yeah i did a very kind of central composition there's this notch in the in the mountain which i put dead center and then i just uh gave it some time not much motion in the air so you see a bit of motion in the clouds but not too much um because they weren't moving that fast and uh, the totally together um i'm to, I'm very happy with the photo still, even though the aurora is, I'd say, aurora experts would say, that's ah, a boring aurora because it doesn't have hard edges, it's not very pronounced, it's more like a green, um, what do we say that, a green mist in the sky. Indeed.
1: But what I really like in this picture, um, I remember that night, and it was very very fine for um the experienced eye on location but when you showed me that picture on the camera that was this kind of the of the of the proof for for a guide you always have your camera with you just to check if there's some activity in the sky and then you wait for the activity to increase and this mm-hmm. is this one of those uh, moments where you actually have proof of activity in the sky and i remember when you showed me that that picture and i, I think i was most uh, amazed about the reflection in the sea which is only possible through the long um, long exposure because it evens out as you sat the the uh, the time the the movement of the ocean and suddenly it uh, it functions as a mirror of the very faint um yep. uh, northern light so that's really really great and what you can see in that picture as well is it has a very faint um border of the light where the green turns into an orange yellow which is always um Very, very nice to see. It's very difficult to see with the eye, especially on a faint light like this. But on the picture, you can see that very, very nice.
0: Uh And by by the way, one thing I wanted to point out is, especially now, we're recording this in October 2020. There's just a new bunch of uh, iPhones with even more advanced cameras coming out. Uh, the, The Android phones have been really good in terms of cameras I think the camera is the killer app in these phones and a lot of people won't have a big DSLR or mirrorless camera they will have a smartphone a current generation smartphone that has a night mode built in is capable of seeing the aurora as well and taking quite decent pictures of it maybe not quite really surprised. yes maybe not quite as sophisticated as this, as, as this one but for most people they will be very happy uh, Even especially if you can put the camera on a little or the smartphone on a little tripod you know a little thing you stand on a rock or on a table or on a fence post or something um, or just prop it up against a rock or something and then have it do a long exposure um, they are very, very capable. Really, really nice. So that's that's one thing. From land, and we'll have a few more photos. Let me bring that. I have to press the right buttons here. There we go. Um, <clears throat> here's one um, that was taken off a ship. And I think, yeah, this one is a better example. Um, that was mm, a very beautiful. nice one. That was a very, very nice one. And... Um, it is interesting to uh, to be able to do this. A lot of people say, wait a minute, you ha- you're standing on a moving platform. A ship is swaying. So how on earth can you do this kind of shot from that ship? Because, I mean, it isn't very straightforward um, how to do this. But it is clearly possible, as you can see. So um, there's a few things that you can do. And the one is try to keep the exposure as short as possible. It's in general true when you want to shoot something uh, and you are moving or it is moving. So um, that is the first tip. Of course, in order to be able to do that, you will need a camera with a higher sensitivity. So um, the, the technical term for that is ISO. You can crank this up and <clears throat> you trade some, let's say, more, more noise in the picture uh, for higher sensitivity. But that noise is something you can mostly take care of or relatively easily take care of. If you have motion blur, if you have a shaky picture, that's impossible to take care of later. So, um, And then the other thing is how, <clears throat> how hard is the ship moving? So this exposure, I think, was under two seconds. It was a very high ISO, probably 6,400. Um, the ship was moving, but it wasn't moving too badly and the one thing you will notice is when you're on a ship is that the motion is normally a regular motion ship goes up and down and up and or it sway side by side by side and there is a cycle there and the one thing you want to do is gauge the waves you want to deter, develop a feeling like when is the high point because that's when the ship is stopping just for a second, and then it comes back down again. And the size of the ship kind of determines how fast that is, but um, with most ships, you'll have about a second, one and a half seconds up on the top of that wave, and then it comes back down again. So if you time your photo exactly to that point, like start right before it stops, and then stop uh, the exposure right after that, um, there's a good chance that you will have uh, one or two or three or five pictures that are in focus that are sharp that's the one thing so if you if you gauge that right and if you if you manage to get the exposure as low as possible again that kind of requires a camera with a bit more control but uh even with the smartphones you depending on the photo app the camera app that you use you can change uh, the exposure time so there is uh certainly a way to do that and um Then shoot a lot (laughs) It's probably the best advice that I can tell you Um, of of this. This very night, I remember distinctly we were on the ship and then we had dinner. And in the middle of dinner, I think it was the captain coming in, shouting, (laughs) Aurora! And everyone (laughs) dropped their forks ran out, put the jackets on, grabbed the camera. So you have to be ready because, again, it's hard to predict if I remember, even remember correctly, impossible. even
1: the chef did that.
0: Or the chef... were uh, some Someone noticed and shouted it. I don't remember exactly who, but someone... No, no, I mean, even even the chef... Oh, no, he dropped his uh, stuff. Dropped everything yeah. and just came off with it. as well. Because, <laughs> honestly, I mean, this was at the end of a week of traveling there. And we had a couple of faint auroras during the week. And this was... The second last night or the last night? Something close, last, yeah. close to the end of the, our journey. And, and everyone had aurora pictures, but none of those were as spectacular as this one. So this one really went boom, boom, and it went on for... But sometimes you can have an aurora show and grow, and then it reaches its peak, and then five minutes later it's gone. That's clearly possible. In this case, this thing just kept going for a couple of hours. I was that's never...
1: sometimes really the pain when you when you have northern back trips, and after like four hours out in the cold, it still goes on and it's it's not um getting less in activity and that that's the moment when you have to to finish yeah. the trip and you have to 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 pull the people back into the van and drive them back to the hotel yeah so this was one of those nights where it was just magnificent to see the intensity just being very very stable,
0: yes. Uh, and, and, I mean, I've never been that cold because, I mean, you are on a ship. So so you're only only a few meters away from a warm saloon, a warm cabin. Um, but I just I couldn't go back in because every time I was like, okay, I'm freezing, I need to warm up a bit. A, a minute after I went inside, someone came back shouting from the decks like, oh, it's turning up again. <laughs> it's like everyone running around on the ship. And it was not – often you have this – aurora going on in one direction this was all around the ship in the front in the back to the sides uh, some were more intense so it's hard to de- to decide where to go and i shot easily 300 photos that night and one thing you also have
1: to to consider or take into consideration when you have those um, environments uh, where it's really when you have those really cold, clear nights, and you have the possibility to drop in, leave your camera outside because once you go inside, it just forms
0: up. <laughs> it forms <And>, up, yes.
1: <laughs> and you don't want to just clean your lens every single time you go outside, um, no. or wait for it to to get clear again.
0: Yeah. Um, so here's another one taken off a ship, and uh, that was my fir- that was my very first time, probably four or five years ago. That was my very first time when I shot the Aurora from a ship. And this was... Okay, so this is the uh, Rembrandt von Rhein. And it's a a bit... I wouldn't say it's bigger, but it was bigger than the one that the other one was shot of. So the ship was more stable, but still moving. And uh, this has an interesting story behind it because, again, Aurora... Coming up, uh, I was—I think I was in the cabin already, getting ready to sleep—and then I heard the the ruckus outside. And the the Rembrandt von Ryan has a has an PA system on board. So um, we agreed with our expedition leader that um, he could wake us up any time of the night when the aurora comes out, which was perfect because I was like almost getting ready for bed, and then oh, the the PA comes in it's like, "Aurora on deck! Aurora on deck!" and everyone like you could could hear the rustle it was really exciting everyone jumped into their their clothing and uh, ran outside and that was the first time I was confronted with what do I do on a moving ship shooting the aurora so this was um on one side and it 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 was beautiful and i decided to um to do something that i've done several times since and that is well set up a tripod of course cuz Again, we're talking, this case, probably a two-second exposure. Um, so set up a tripod. And what you do then is you anchor your camera's motion to the ship's motion. So the camera and the ship move, move the same way. So uh, I've deliberately included the ship as a foreground. The foreground is now sharp in focus. So even if the aurora is a slight little blurry from the motion. It doesn't matter cuz you still have something in focus to to hang on to. And the aurora, I mean the aurora isn't usually very sharp edged anyway, so a little bit of blur in there is not a big deal normally. And you can see on the horizon that there is certainly some motion, but it doesn't really matter. So, that was the one thing about this photo. The second thing about this photo is, you see the uh, group of people in the front? When you shoot aurora in a group, you will inevitably have other photographers in the shot unless you really stand side by side. But in this case, that was not possible because it was at the, uh, at the, the front of the ship and it's triangular, so people have to crowd up there. And uh, there were tripods all over the place up, up in front, like really legs going inside other legs. I mean, really like optimizing the space. And <clears throat> that group of people that you see on the photo also included a whole bunch of bright screens on the back of their, of their cameras. Because <laughs> that's what happens, right? We have this LCD on the back and uh, you check the settings or you have the image review set uh, sp- sp- turned on. So uh, after you'd shot the shot, bang, the display comes on. So two things about that. First is, um, if you shoot at night, turn down the display brightness. If it's not automatic, um, turn it down as far as it goes it will still be too bright but um you can avoid two things with that first is um you will not be as annoying in other people's pictures and second is um you will not blind yourself cuz if you have the display do bright and you will look at that you will have this this rectangle uh, in front of your eyes for 5 minutes you know so you don't want that so turn that down if at all possible um and what i did here is i used the magic of editing and I cloned out the individual bright spots because they were too distracting. So all I did is I just went in and click, 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 cloned them out so they wouldn't distract. And I think that's perfectly fine. It's still a photo, but uh, I think it turned into a nicer photo this way. There's one more thing about this, which was was a lot of work. that was a clear sky most of mostly, um, not, not many clouds in there, but that also means you see the stars. And if you see the stars, if you do a two-second exposure of the stars, what you end up with is a lot of squiggly lines, right? They're not points in the sky, but you're exposed for two seconds, so they will be little whatever the wave motion of the ship does. You will have that uh, reflected in the little stars. So this picture was filled with 300 squiggly lines, probably.
1: (laughs) It's really a pain to get rid of them.
0: (laughs) And it was really, really distracting from the aurora. So I decided to take the time, and I think I spent a couple of hours on that, and went in and painstakingly painted out every single squiggly line. Just you, it's easy to do with today's software. You click on it or you paint on it, and then it fills it in with something that looks plausible there. So um, there's an entire like evening of editing in this photo, um, but I still love it, and I love it for three well for several reasons. First of all, the, the the ship in the front. It was it was a photo that changed my way of approaching aurora photography from a ship. Um, that's the first one. The second one, uh, I I learned that yes, you can edit that stuff if you want to. Um, and third, what I like is the colors in the photo, because you have the, pr- the three primary colors in there. So your camera works in red, green, and blue, RGB. That's the three color channels in your camera. And uh, I find pictures that include all of those quite satisfying. So you have the green of the aura, the blue of the sky, and then the red of the, well, bit of uh, dusk or dawn in the, in the, in the, at the horizon. And there is a red tinge in the front as well. Now, I didn't see that initially. The red light that you see in the front is of one of the position lights of the ship, which is shielded. You know that. The the position light has a board in front of it, so you can only see it from the outside. But it was reflecting back from a railing or something, just a little bit. And that was enough to give that whole front of the ship that red tint, so um I call these RGB pictures red green and blue and they are um they feel more complete that way. So also the the other thing that I didn't really get a good shot of but um in these times the term is a bit is a bit of a different one but you know what a corona is in terms of an aurora, right? Have you seen the corona um which is when the aurora comes at you from the top and it's like it's like you you look upwards and it's almost like you're 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 shooting into a tunnel, which is amazing, i mean really fast, really choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo. and uh lots of colors and things um only happened for twenty seconds maybe but uh someone and this was like right after Depends. this photo can, can last
1: longer as well
0: okay so i i haven't seen it longer <laughs> that was my only one and first one, and it was it was over after twenty seconds, so I looked up. And I was like, holy cow, that is one of the wildest things I've ever seen. And then doof, it was over. And it's
1: very difficult to take pictures of because um, coronas are actually, um, they can be all over the place as well. And then you really have to decide in what direction you want to uh, take pictures of. And it's, it's really difficult to actually frame a corona. It's really, really difficult.
0: Uh, but but, if you can it it is um I think it really helps again, if you're on a ship to have the mast in there to have some reference point in there in the front um, certainly Indeed. makes sense so but to
1: to add on the tips you you gave um we, we have like when we do northern light trips, we always have the major issue that um people are not used to move outside when it's dark, of course mm-hmm. because we got raced in, 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 in very illuminated um, environments nowadays, so that makes it very difficult. But um, when you go outside uh, on a Northern Lights trip, no matter if it's on a ship or um, just on land, please don't use flashlights, don't <laughs> use the flashlight off your phone. You will be a uh, super annoying for your fellow travellers. But B, you will also just um, lessen the chance for yourself to see northern lights because your eye has to adjust to the darkness again. And northern lights really work best with uh, the least um, light pollution you can get. And your little um, flashlight is enough for you to really destroy that kind of experience significantly. So, and what the I on a sh- camera, any light source is a problem. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, what I usually recommend is actually having um, red light covers. So, what we use, for example, on trips is uh, like the, the the mountain hat lights. Um, they have a red light mode. Mm-hmm. Use that; it's less annoying, and your eyes can adjust much much easier to the mm-hmm. darkness after the red light, and
0: yeah. it's less annoying on pictures as well. There's even today's headl- headlamps uh, sometimes have a red mode that you can turn yes. on and yeah, most, it, most of them have that yeah and then uh, that's good for the night and uh if if you've seen Dustboard or any other movies and the <laughs> they they do that um, when it's night and they, they they set everything to red light and then the um their, their eyes have a, a better chance to adapt uh so let's look at a few more um while we're at it okay so this is <clears throat> this is one where again the aurora wasn't that interesting or visible, even to the naked eye, even after adjusting for the darkness for like half an hour. Um, but the camera brought it out and a- again, I made the decision to make to spice it up a bit by shooting against um, yeah, a- 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 the shore on the other side of that of that um, what is it? A piece of. P- I would p- say it's Henningsvar. It's probably it's, Henningsvar um, in Lofoten, yeah. yeah that's the you- bridge to Henningsvar, yeah and the and, the, and the, the the location if anyone wants to go there um what's the name of the fish burger place uh, anita's fish burgers was it anita i think, <clears throat> I, think so. I think it's a very very... if you have been on lofoten there is no chance you missed that one um so um you can shoot across the bay and i decided to have elements in there you, you know that it really helps to bring out interesting things if you include other elements. The same is true if you want to shoot a picture of the moon or or fireworks or something. It always helps to include the surroundings to give it a bit more context um, than just itself. So, pointing the camera straight upwards towards an aurora is nice, but if you can include other things, it helps from a composition point of view, some foreground. So, the reflection helps it to become a bit more more A reflection adds symmetry. Symmetry adds stability to a photo. So more stability that way. Um, The other thing is the lights, of course, they give you uh, a nice focal point there. So it's not necessarily just about the aurora. It's about the aurora over a a town. That's what you get there. Uh, One thing I did is there's a road... um, that goes on to the right, and uh, there was a car on that road, and of course, the long exposure made that very pronounced. I edited that one out because it was in the way. So again, there's editing in uh, in certain shots, certainly in this one. Um, but you can see the stars are very uh, stable, so that was a short enough exposure. Another thing I loved about this, if you if you look really close on the mountain range in the left. You will see that it has it's slightly illuminated from the warm, orangey lights uh, of that of that uh, little town there, and in the edit, I and I saw this glow, but it wasn't quite as pronounced. So in the edit later on, I I just enhanced that a little bit. I made that a little bit brighter to add a bit of context that there is a mountain and that it receives light from from the uh, town. So worked really well for me. Um, also, the, conne- the the connection here, um, the combination of the aurora plus the clouds, I think, makes a nice, uh, interesting photo in the sky. Yeah, so can that's see
1: how the how both the, the the town and the aurora is illuminating the clouds from both
0: sides. That's, yes, that's really you get pretty. you you get this this whole light spectacular. Um, really happy with that. So this one again is one from the from the ship. Um, it was it was it's hard to, it was hard to make a choice. It was really hard to make a distinct choice between the different photos. Um, normally what I do is if I have one good photo out of like an hour, that is the one photo I will show. I'll try to not show too many because that will dilute the individual pictures. I'd rather have one very strong picture that feels really good um, and show that as opposed to show, showing 20 different pictures. But for this aurora uh, of the ship, it was just amazing. This is my first aurora shot which was in Iceland. And uh, it was it was not too strong. It was nice. And what we did, uh, luckily, is we were in a, in a hotel and we were having dinner again during dinner time. It's like, okay, Aurora is about to uh, become stronger. Let's go. And we went out and uh, we were a group and we had a bus. So the bus driver was still up. And uh, then he took us to a place where we drove along the road and all. On the way there in the afternoon, we already took a look at where would be a good spot to shoot the aurora from. And uh, we came to that bridge, and the bridge has water under it, and water makes reflections. And aurora in a reflection is always amazing looking. So there we chose to, uh, to place ourselves in front of that river and include that as a reflective surface. Um, that was also the first time I uh, I noticed how annoying other photographers in front of your camera can be with the displays on, and there was a lot of shouting in the night of going, "Go away! Your light is on. Turn your light off." So it
1: yeah, was... that's that's when the guide usually comes in very handy, uh, <laughs> who who knows the spots and who lines yes. up photographers so everybody yes. gets a nice uh, shot. Of course, um, the spot the other photographer has is always better than your own. So um, just. <laughs> try to be a bit more more understanding and a bit patient. Um, I think every um, angle has its pros and cons. I usually um, prefer to go as low as possible so you get a lot of the foreground uh, what you have in a landscape. But it really is also just personal taste. What I really like here is that you have um like two types coming together. You have this diffuse area. you have a very, very light um arc forming, like a band which is going mm-hmm. out of the main area towards the left of the picture, and then you have a third one, those rays who are coming vertically down where you actually can see how the particles enter the atmosphere and just react. With the molecules in in the atmosphere, that's really, really amazing. It's a great picture.
0: And then, thank you. And then you see the stars above, um, and then you see, if you look very closely, it's probably a satellite, like a a streak across, and uh, that looks like a satellite trail so uh some some people cloned those out. I left it in because it was kind of a I testament like it. it was a testament to the to the length of the exposure and uh i I love people to also kind of get an idea how the, how the sausage is made right it's not just the sausage it's the recipe as well um let's see do I have one more that's one more of the ship um, again couldn't help but putting more in there, and that's the first one. so here we go with aurora photography um I uh, I hope that uh, many of you will have that experience uh, one day. How far south do auroras go usually? <laughs>
1: That's a very very tricky question. Um and I answer with my most favorite of all answers, it depends. It's <laughs> it's depending on so many factors. One is the intensity of um of the solar storm of the of the particles, the charge of the particles. Um it depends what area are you at. Do you have a lot of light pollution? Are you on the countryside? Do you have very little light pollution, etc., etc.? So you have a, a couple of factors um, coming in. But I can tell you I've seen uh, pictures as far south as Nuremberg in, in uh, Germany uh-huh. in uh, 1994 with amazing northern lights um very reddish northern lights it looks like the sk- uh, the sky is on fire really great that happens not very often it's more likely on solar maximums so in another 5 to 6 years you might have a chance but if you look into folklore of uh, northern lights then you would figure that um as far south as the mediterranean you have uh, northern lights um folklore you have it could uh,
0: almost not be called mysteries. northern lights
1: there right <laughs> They actually came up. So the, 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 the name Aurora Borealis um, refers to the Greek and Roman uh, mythology. So they came up with those, uh, with those names. Uh, that gives you an idea how far south they were visible back in the days when um, artificial light wasn't uh, wasn't the mm. matter or not that much at least. And we have similar um, references in uh, Northern America where um, the natives have just like reported or they just beat up folklore out, uh, around Northern Lights as far south as Wisconsin, for example. So there are uh, possibilities. It's less likely nowadays just simply because of the light pollution. I mean, every road has um, road lights, has traffic lights. Every car is just disturbing. But if you have a chance and you're somewhere um, along the field... Just give it a chance. If you have a huge um, activity in the sky as a forecast, just give it a chance. Go outside. Just look at the at the forecast when the, the big band, which is uh, elliptical around uh, the area of the Arctic Circle, so it's not really staying on 66 degree north, but sometimes it's um, slipping down a little bit further um, on one side. Just get a nice forecast for where this position of the band um, is supposed to be at what time. And you might have a chance to
0: see northern lights as far south as Germany or Central America. Very cool. So, thank you very much. That was it for today. Again, um, you can find us and a lot more stories from the Arctic and the Antarctic over at our website, CuriouslyPolar.com, or wherever you find your podcasts. We're on Twitter at CuriouslyPolar and on Insta at CuriouslyPolar. And uh, we'll be back in, well... Let's see, we'll be back. I'm not going to make any promises for now. Thanks, Henry, and thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.